Thank you, Lord. Well, we talked about a little bit about this uh, a few weeks ago. We're going to get into a few more details of this as we look into the five stages of speaking. The five stages of speaking. According to one expert, one child expert, we know how good experts are. But according to one child expert, they said that a child goes through four stages of dealing with their fathers. In stage one, they call you dada. In stage two, they call you daddy. In stage three, they call you dad. In stage four, they call you collect. (laughs) But stages, we hit stages in life. We hit stages in our spiritual walk as well. There was a day some time ago that I was observing some uh, a conversation that was going on between a couple of Christians, a couple of born-again believers, and I saw this one person sharing with the other person things which I knew in, in me they had no understanding of, but they were just speaking them. And the person they were talking to either understood that they didn't know what they were talking about or whatever, but they just let it, let it go on. But I was looking at that and I started talking to my father about that. I said, you know, you got you to help me out with this. What do you do? Because sometimes, how many of you all know, you, you talk with people, they don't have an understanding of what it is they're talking about. We can find it in the natural and we can find it in the spirit. You can find people talking about things of God they, they don't understand. They don't know. They think they know. But you have an understanding of the topic and when they start speaking, what does that do to you? Does that frustrate you on the inside? To get you a little aggravated? Most of the times it does not bring us to a place where we feel sorry for the people that are speaking out of that lack of knowledge. Most of the time we feel sorry for ourselves and we have to listen to it. I wonder how many times our father has felt similar things. This person knows nothing of what they speak, but they're talking to me like they have an understanding of it. Does this guy get frustrated, angry? Does he wish he wasn't there? <laughs> no, our father wants, us, wants to help us. Get to that place where we can understand. But five stages in that. Last week we were kind of detoured just a little bit. and We looked at some things after the meetings we had. People were going home with some healings and some things that had gone on in their bodies and their minds and uh, their lives. Some things had been changed. And we said if you want to see, you want to enact permanent change, there are three things you need to focus on. There's probably some more things you could focus on. But if you just focused on these three things, you would see permanent change in whatever it is that you wanted to change. And so we use the abbreviation of etc. because we use the abbreviation for etc. when a list continues to go on and on with more of the same. And if we don't want to have more of the same, we've got to focus on some things. The first thing was expecting. You've got to change what you are expecting. Because if you have had a pain in your body for many, many weeks, many, many months, maybe many, many years... And you keep waking up with that pain. When you wake up the next day, what's, what are you thinking? I am, oh, it's not there. What, were you expecting it to be? We sometimes expect it that way. Or if a pain comes back, we, oh, there it is again. Because our expectation is such that this is what we, we kind of come to, to think. I don't know if, if you were in this, this category. How many, anybody here watch football last weekend? Appreciate both of you jumping out there and, and watching some football. We were watching football. We were watching the Eagles play, and I missed almost the entire first half. I think that was a God thing. Because I think the Eagles missed the entire first half. 
of the of the game, and it uh, it was not going apparently very very well. And you you hear you know it, it's real easy to fall into expectations. Oh well, it's just going to be this way again. <laughs> and you can begin to expect that. We don't always have ourselves changed. Now they came on back in the second half, and it was a whole different team out there, and things went a whole lot better. And we could talk about it on Monday. <laughs> but you have to change your expect what you're expecting. You have to get to the place where you are expecting no pain. Where you're expecting change. Where you're expecting abundance where there wasn't. Where you're expecting it. And there's a difference between wishing it and expecting it. It's easy to wish for something. It's hard to expect it. But that's what we have to get to. Expecting. Second thing was thinking. Thinking. We've got to change our thinking. How do we change that? Well, we build up our expectations from the Word of God. The Word of God gives us what we should expect to receive from God. The Word of God tells us the promises of God. As we meditate on those things we're expecting, it should change our thinking. My thinking should be lining up. My thoughts should be a thoughts of how my life is going to change because this thing is so. That's what we've got to begin to do. Third, th- third thing was our conversations, our conversing, our talking with one another. We saw that Abraham, which is the example we looked at, God was changing his expecting, he was changing his thinking, and he was changing his conversations. But unfortunately for Abraham, not all of his conversations were changed. He was still having the old conversations with his wife. And he didn't see any results. He didn't see any change, even though he was having fantastic conversations with God. He had to get to the place where he was having fantastic conversations all over. And we saw in that last year before the baby was born, something changed inside of Abraham so that his wife, who was very comfortable talking to him about a doubt and unbelief plan with Hagar, had no problem talking to him about it, felt uncomfortable talking about the doubts she had when she heard the man uh, visiting, uh, visiting Abraham talk about this time next year. You're going to have a baby. And she laughed. And she was caught on it. What did she do? I didn't laugh. How does a woman go from the place of being comfortable talking about that and unbelief to her husband to being afraid? Because something changed in Abraham. And she knew that conversation was not welcome. Abraham had changed his conversations. You change it with the people that are closest to you, you'll find out you change it with the rest of the people around you as well. Change those conversations. So that's just a quick review of some things. We challenge you to listen to yourself. If you were to stand on the outside and listen to yourself, what would you say you're expecting? We need to make sure we, we check ourselves out. But here we want to take a look at these stages. We're really on this series here, discerning the voice of God, how we can learn the voice of God, how I can discern it above all others. But here are these five stages of speech. These five stages deal with me speaking to other people, but they also deal with me speaking to circumstances. How many of y'all know we need to speak to circumstances? We speak to sickness and disease. We speak to poverty. We speak to life situations to change them, but we need to speak to them. So there's a speech that's involved there. Now, if you were here during the meetings, at one point I gave you just a, a run-through of these five things. We're gonna, I told you we'd come back and give you more detail on it. Here's where we're going to give you the more detail. But here's the first stage. The first stage is I speak out of whatever I know. Whatever I know. I heard it somewhere, and I speak it. 
Now, you'll, you'll, you'll find this out. If you go up on Facebook at all, if you frequent Facebook at and, and any uh, regular time, you will find that people will post anything. If they hear a rumor, if they hear that somebody died, they just uh, post it right up there. And they don't check it out. I've seen death notices of people that are still alive and well. You know, so-and-so died. One actor, they keep uh, throwing up there on the, the Facebook that they died during their, doing their own stunts. But apparently, he uh, has survived several of those reports. And he keeps on going on. And he apparently has not uh, been killed by any of his stunts. He's uh, still going on and, and doing things. But you see, they, they hear it and they just regurgitate it. They just say, nobody checks it out. You need to check it out. You need to find out, is this thing so? I've had some things come across my desk in emails and things of that nature. They, they email you, you know, this, this bill is in Congress and it's going to go through and it's going to take this out of the church or do this and so forth. And uh, before I ever send it out to anybody, I always do one thing. I search for it. Well, is this thing so? I find out, well, no, there's a hoax going around that this bill is in Congress. There is no bill in Congress like that and it's a hoax. I'm not going to bother sending it out. All you got to do is a simple check, and it really doesn't take all that long to do. You can, you can do that. But there's people out there who just say whatever they know. They don't check it out. They don't try and get an understanding of it. They don't try and, and do anything. You know, Maybe it's true. Maybe it's not. But I'm just going to say it. And they just say it. And they get yourself in trouble that way. Maybe it's helpful. Maybe it's not. Have you ever had a problem and someone knows something? They heard something about the Bible? And you're talking about this problem, and they throw it out to you. And you're thinking, that doesn't apply to me at all. <laughs> well, I don't know if it's helpful or not. They're just going to, well, I don't know if this helps at all. You ever heard that from people? I don't know if this helps at all, but I'll just tell it to you anyway. Well, maybe, maybe you ought to find out if it'll help. Is there a way that you can find it out? Sure it is. I heard it. You know, I remember it. Well, mostly anyway. <laughs> and I just say it. I may not even get all the details right. There are times I've heard something said, and I know it's accurate, but I can't remember the details of it. And I think, oh, man, I wish I knew the details of that thing. And so a lot of times I just keep quiet about it, and I, I don't say anything, because um, I don't know what the actual statistics were. What was, what was going on with that thing? And I, I couldn't think of what it was. And so a lot of times I just, well, I'll hold off on saying that, because I'm not quite sure what, what that's about. A lot of these folks, you don't have to understand it. All we've got to do is say it. John chapter 9, I want you to take you over there. The scripture, this is just filled with people speaking all kinds of stuff. Now, as Jesus passed by, he saw a man who was blind from birth, and his disciples asked him, saying, Rabbi, who sinned, this man or his parents, that he was born blind? Why are the disciples saying this? Is it true? Is it a true statement? Are people born blind because they had sinned? Can you sin in your mother's womb? Do we have anything in the scripture that says that because a parent sinned, the child was born blind? So where'd they get this from? It's been passed down. They heard it from someplace and they're not even checking it out. They're just, this is what they believe. So what's Jesus say? Jesus said, neither this man nor his parents sinned. And we've, if you've been around here a while, you know that uh, we repunctuated this. Uh, Doug Jones helped us out with this uh, many, when I was back in school. He used to tell us the punctuation is not in Scripture. Because they tried to save paper, so they dropped all the punctuation. All the punctuation is inserted by the translators. And they use their best uh, ideas of, of where they go. But if you just change the punctuation around here, you get a whole different meaning. 
The answer to the question is neither this man, neither this man nor his parents sinned, period. That is the question, isn't it? That would be the answer. But that the works of God should be revealed in him, comma, I must work the works of him who sent me while it is day. Doesn't that change the meaning of it? But you see, most people understand things the way it was punctuated. But that God is not here. God is not making sickness and disease or things going on around so, so that he can do miracles. He's come and will do miracles because these things are existing. These things are there. He said, I must work the works of him who sent me while it is day. The night is coming when no one can work. As long as I am in the world, I am the light of the world. And when he said these things, he spat on the ground and made clay with saliva. And he anointed the eyes of the blind man with clay. And he said to him, go wash in the pool of Siloam, which is translated sent. So he went and washed and came back seen. Therefore, the neighbors and those who previously had seen that he was blind said, is not this he who sat and begged? Some said, this is he. Others said, he is like him. He said, I am he. Can you imagine that? You've been around there all this time. This man was born blind. He obviously hasn't gone very far. He's been in this town. People have seen him. He's been over there probably begging of alms and things. They've, they've seen him. Now all of a sudden they're not sure. Is that, is that him? Is that the same guy? I don't know. And so he just gets up there and he says, I'm him. Therefore, they said to him, how were your eyes opened? <laughs> how were your eyes opened? I, I love this discourse here. This is some of the most ignorant discourse you have ever heard in the Word of God. A man called Jesus made clay and anointed my eyes and said to me, go to the pool of Siloam and wash. So I went and washed and I received sight. They said to him, where is he? Now, these are educated people. I'm amazed at some of the most ignorant questions that can be asked by educated people. Here you go. These are educated people going through all the, the rabbi schools and Pharisee schools and stuff like that. And they're, they're in front of a blind man. The blind man says, I was blind. There's a man, his name was Jesus. He came to me, I'm, I'm blind. He anointed my eyes with this mud. I went in and I washed. And when I got done washing, I could see. So they said, where is he? Now understand, he can't see the man. He can't see Jesus. He goes away to wash, and now he can see, and now he can see a bunch of people. Which one's Jesus? If Jesus is even in the vicinity, he may have had to walk a half mile to get to the pool. He doesn't know where Jesus, he doesn't know if Jesus has moved on him. I don't know. He told him everything he knew. A man named Jesus, that's it. I'm just waiting for them to say, what's he look like? These are educated people asking extremely ignorant questions. Do you even think about the question before you answer it? Apparently not. Where is he? He said, I do not know. <laughs> I don't know. If, if I'm him, I would have a hard time not being a little bit cynical on this. Oh, let me take you over to him. I'd take him to one of the Pharisees and say, I think it was him. They brought him who formerly was blind to the Pharisees. So now he's got the name. He was formerly blind. Now, it was a Sabbath when Jesus made the clay and opened his eyes. Then the Pharisees also asked him again how he had received his sight. He said to them, he put clay on my eyes and I washed and I see. Can you, see the, can you hear the frustration in the guy's voice? All right. 
I'm going to slow this down for you educated people. Let me give it to you real slow. He put clay on my eyes. I washed and I see. So he's leaving out all the other details because apparently that is confusing them. Clay, washed, see. Then the Pharisees also asked him again, how we received this, how you put clay on my eyes in verse 16. Therefore, some of the Pharisees said, this man is not from God because he does not keep the Sabbath. Others said, how can a man who is a sinner do such signs? And there was division among them. Then they said to the blind man again, they're still calling him a blind man. What do you say about him because he opened your, your eyes? He said, he is a prophet. What does he base that off of? <laughs> He's not basing it off a whole lot. He's guessing. He's got, well, I don't know. He, you guys are Pharisees. You guys are rabbis. And you guys can't do this. I guess he's a prophet. I mean, he's, he's pulling something out. Of, he, he doesn't know, but he knows he's somebody. He knows he's something. He's not just nothing. And so he's, he's, he's got some knowledge here, but he's not, not a whole lot of understanding. I don't really understand what's going on here, but he's going to speak out of it. And he might be right. Is Jesus a prophet? Yeah, among other things. He's, but he's also a prophet. So he does get this right. You know, I've, I've heard it said even a blind squirrel finds a nut here and there. And even ignorant people can stumble upon the truth every once in a while. Now, he's not trying to be ignorant, but he doesn't have an understanding of some things. So he calls him a prophet. He says, I mean, really? We're going to have a debate on what I think he is? Why do you even care what I think he is? I'm a blind guy. You didn't even care about me a a little while ago. You You walked on by, probably didn't even put anything in the cup. And now all of a sudden you care about my opinion? I don't know. Has anybody ever asked you for your opinion on something you haven't really thought of it, but you thought you ought to have an opinion? <laughs> and you kind of feel pressure to give one? Maybe that's where this guy is at. He just kind of feel pressure to give one. Now, it's not a bad answer that he gave, but I don't know. He, he's a prophet. But the Jews did not believe concerning him that he had been blind and received his sight until they called the parents of him who had received his sight. So, you are wrong. You are not blind. Right? You were not blind. You are, you are misled. You, you may have thought you were blind, but apparently you were not blind. Because you're healed now, so obviously you weren't blind. I mean, the debates were... Ha- Can you believe the debates we're having here? How about celebrating God is among us and a blind man now sees? That'd be pretty cool just to do that, but now we got... Can you believe the ignorance that is in these people? So they called the parents. I just just love the parents here. They can kind of tell you a little bit of the error that's going on here. And they asked him, saying, is this your son? Yeah, I think so. Who you say was born blind. (laughs) Boy, is that... What are we doing here? (laughs) Is this your son whom you say was born blind? In other words, we're, we're challenging your premise here. We don't believe your premise that he was born blind. You're going to have to prove it. You say that he was born blind. Is this what you, you said? How then does he now see? His parents answered them and said, We know that this is our son. <laughs> well, that's good. We know that this is our son. We know that he was born blind. But by what means he now sees, we do not know. Or who opened his eyes, we do not know. He's of age. Ask him. He will speak for himself. 
Can you, can you feel the joy of the parents that their son who was born blind now sees? Can you feel their joy about this whole thing? These guys have come in and they've stolen all the joy out of everybody. What do you think Jesus thinks about this? These guys are going around and instead of people being joyful, they're all afraid. His parents said these things because they feared the Jews. For the Jews had agreed already that if anyone confessed that he was Christ, he would be put out of the synagogue. Therefore, his parents said, he is of age, ask him. We don't get put out of the synagogue, so uh, ask him what's going on. So they again called the man who was blind and said to him, give glory, give God the glory. Who knows? We know that this man is a sinner. He answered and said, now this guy's getting bold here now. Whether he is a sinner or not, I do not know. One thing I know, that though I was blind, now I see. You guys can discuss all this other stuff all you want to. I'm, I'm just telling you what I know. This is what I know. <laughs> I was blind, and now I'm not. <coughs> then they said to him again, What did he do to you? How did he open your eyes? <laughs> he answered them, I told you already, and you did not listen. Why do you want me? Why do you want to hear it again? You gotta wonder about that sometimes with people. When you keep telling them the truth and they keep questioning you, you don't want to hear this. So why do you want me to tell it to you again? So he's getting frustrated and bold. Do you also want to become his disciples? I love that line. That is one of my favorite lines in this chapter. Why do you want to hear it again? Do you want to get saved? Do you want to become his disciple? Should I share more with you about this? So he put them on the defensive. Then they reviled him and said, You are his disciple, but we are Moses' disciple. We know that God spoke to Moses. As for this fellow, we do not know where he is from. The man answered and said to them, Why, this is a marvelous thing, that you do not know where he is from, yet he opened my eyes. (laughs) You guys are spiritual giants. You are spiritual leaders. You're supposed to know the things of God. This man opened my eyes, and you don't know where he's from. And that's just awesome. Now we know that God does not hear sinners, but if anyone is a worshiper of God and does his will, he hears him. Since the world began, it has been unheard of that anyone opened the eyes of one who was born blind. If this man were not from God, he could do nothing. I think this guy is starting to get some understanding. What do you think? I wish the, the Pharisees had that much. If this man were not from God, he could do nothing. They answered and said to him, You were completely born in sins and you are teaching us. <laughs> and they cast him out. I guess they didn't want to ask him again, What did he do? I don't know. They were kind of in a role there for, for a while. Well, they cast him out. That didn't just mean they threw him out for the day. That means he's gone. He can't, he can't come into synagogue anymore. Jesus heard that they had cast him out, and when he had found him, Jesus knew what he looked like. He said to him, Do you believe in the Son of God? He answered and said, Who is he, Lord, that I may believe in him? And Jesus said to him, You have both seen him, and it is he who is talking with you. And then he said, Lord, I believe. And he worshipped him. And Jesus said, For judgment I have come into this world, that those who do not see may see, and those who see may be made blind. Then some of the Pharisees who were with him heard these words and said to him, Are we we blind also? Well, that opened up a whole other discourse that uh, (laughs) 
Well, we just, we're not going to get into here for today, but you can always pick that up and, and look at some more. But people, a lot of times, they speak out of what they know. There's no understanding. They heard it. They thought it. It came to them, and they speak it out. We've got to be careful of speaking out of that, of that realm, of that place. When you have a little one and they grow up, how many, how many of y'all know that they say some things, the little ones do, when they start talking? They, they say some things that can make you as parents feel uncomfortable. Maybe they repeat something they heard at home. And you didn't want that repeated out in public. Maybe they, they, they said something about you that you didn't want other people to, to hear. Or maybe they misunderstood something and they just said it like it was so. You, you want them to get to that spot where, all right, don't just say what you hear. Don't just say what you know. Think about it a little bit. And we, how many times have your parents said this to you growing up? Don't you think before you talk? We need to do that in the, in the uh, realm of being a Christian too. Too many people are just speaking out of what they know. And that's it. There was a story in the Bible, in the book of Acts, of the seven sons of Sceva. And they heard about what Paul was doing. And they came up to a demon-possessed person. And they said, in the name of Jesus, whom Paul preaches. And the demon said, Jesus we know. Paul we know. Who are you? <laughs> and they jumped on him and beat him up. I didn't quite work, did it? They didn't have any understanding of what they, they just regurgitated what they heard. They heard Paul do this, and they said it in the same way. A lot of Christians speak out of what they know. I've heard in church, I have authority over sickness and disease, and they speak to it. But they haven't gained the understanding of it yet. They, don't, they haven't meditated upon it at all. It hasn't taken root in them. They just heard other people do it. They speak it out. It doesn't work for them. They get frustrated, and they quit. They speak out of what they know. But we need to get out of that stage. We need to get into another stage. That's the stage. The next one. Whatever we speak, whatever I understand. Now, understanding with anything is always better. If I understand how the thing works, that certainly is going to be better. But a person who speaks out of this stage, I at least have enough discretion to determine the truth of it first. That's always good. Find out if the thing is true first. I meditated on it long enough to get the meaning. I got the meaning of it down. It may not be needed right now, but I'll say it anyway. Because I understand the thing. How many of y'all know once you understand the truth, you are looking for any place to put that truth out? I got this new truth. I understand this now. And whatever opportunity you can find, you want to say this to people. It may not be, they may not be ready for it. They may not be ready. Remember when Jesus, when they, when they had the revelation, you are the Christ, the Son of the living God, from that day forward, he began to speak to them about his death and resurrection. But he waited until they got that. He could have spoken to them about that earlier, but they weren't ready for it yet. Jesus had the understanding of it, but they weren't ready for it. Make sure that the people you're speaking to are ready for it. In Mark chapter 9, verse 2, now after six days, Jesus took Peter, James, and John and led them up on a high mountain apart by themselves, and he was transfigured before them, and clothes became shining, exceedingly white like snow, such as no launderer on earth can whiten them. And Elijah appeared to them with Moses, and they were talking with Jesus. Then Peter answered and said to Jesus, Rabbi, it is good for us to be here. Let us make three tabernacles, one for you, one for Moses, one for Elijah. We make this point just about every time we go through here, but it's just good to remind you of it. How does Peter know what Elijah and Moses look like? 
Do they have portraits around the synagogue? Paintings, this is what Moses looks like. This is Elijah, so that if you see them, how does he know? He doesn't ask anybody who's with you. He just knows it's Elijah and Moses. Thank God in the kingdom of heaven, we will not have to wear name tags. You will not forget anyone's name. You will know who they are, even if you never met them. Peter knew of Moses and Elijah, but he never met them. But he knew they were there. Because you did not know what because he did not know what to say, for they were greatly afraid. So he doesn't know what to say, but he understands a few things, so he just throws out what he understands. I understand that Elijah is coming before the before Messiah. I, I understand that Moses was important in the things. So we'll just build three tabernacles and and let's go. They built tabernacles in the Old Testament. It had to be a good thing. Let's build tabernacles now. And a cloud came and overshadowed them, and a voice came out of the cloud saying, This is my beloved son. Hear him. Suddenly, when they had looked around, they saw no one anymore, but only Jesus with them. Now, as they came down from the mountain, he commanded them that they should tell no one the things they had seen till the Son of Man had risen from the dead. So this voice comes down and basically tells Peter, Hush. Too often, folks, we're talking when we ought to be listening. We may want to impress God with the things that we know, but God is not going to be impressed because he knows more. It is better that we listen. Verse 9, Now as they came down from the mountain, he commanded them that they should tell no one the things that they had seen till the Son of Man had risen from the dead. So he's telling them at this point, I will die and I will be raised from the dead. And this thing that you've seen, you were to tell no one until that day. After that day, they could tell it. But up until then, they were not. Only three were allowed to see this. We never hear of it being brought out beforehand, so apparently they must have been pretty good at keeping that. So they kept this word to themselves, questioning what the rising from the dead meant. <laughs> What's he mean by rising from the dead? We could talk about it with each other. So I know this. I have no understanding of it, though. But I know it. But they're not going to speak it because they're not supposed to, which is good. And they asked him, saying, Why did the scribes say that Elijah must come first? And they answered and told him, Indeed, Elijah is coming first and restores all things. And how is it written before, concerning the Son of Man that he must suffer many things and be treated with contempt? But I say to you that Elijah has come, and they did to him whatever they wished, as it is written. And when, his, when he came to his disciples, he saw a great multitude around them, and the scribes disputing with them, immediately when they saw him, all the people were greatly amazed and running to him, greeted him. And he asked the scribes, what, what are you discussing with them? And then they asked the disciples, he asked the scribes. There's a dispute that's going on. He doesn't trust these guys. What are you disputing with my disciples? And then one of the crowd answered and said, teacher, I brought you my son who has a mute spirit. And whatever it, whenever it seizes him, I'm sorry, wherever it seizes him, it throws him down. He foams at the mouth gnashes his teeth and becomes rigid. So I spoke to your disciples that they should cast it out, but they could not. He answered him and said, O faithless generation, how long shall I be with you? How long shall I bear with you? Bring him to me. Then they brought him to him, and when he saw him, immediately the spirit convulsed him, and he fell on the ground and wallowed, foaming at the mouth. So he asked his father, How long has this been happening to him? And he said, From childhood. And often he has thrown him both into the fire and into the water to destroy him. But if you can do anything, have compassion on us and help us. Jesus said to him, If you can believe, all things are possible to him who believes. 
Immediately the father of the child cried out and said with tears, Lord, I believe, help my unbelief. When Jesus saw that the people came running together, he rebuked the unclean spirit, saying to it, Deaf and dumb spirit, I command you, come out of him and enter him no more. Then the spirit cried out, convulsed, with, convulsed him greatly, and came out of him and entered him no more. Then the spirit cried out, I'm sorry, convulsed him greatly and came out of him, and he became as one dead, so that many said, He is dead. How many of you ever mistaken a live person for a dead person? <laughs> Not often, is it? Usually there's something, there's breathing going on, there's a little bit of movement, there's something that's going on with that person, but they looked at this one and they said, he's dead. Now, how, how would you like to have that happen? You go out there to pray for somebody and they're dead. That's, how many of you know that, that, would, that would affect you? Would that affect you if you wanted to lay hands on somebody, cast out a spirit out of somebody and they lay down on the ground and died? But Jesus took him by the hand and lifted him up and he arose. Is there anything different from what Jesus did here than what he did when he raised someone from the dead? When he saw the man in the coffin, what did he do to get him out? Opened the coffin? Did he do anything more spectacular than he did here? It's very possible that the man was dead. He may not have been, but it's very possible that the man was dead and was raised back to life. But Jesus doesn't make a big deal of it. And became one as dead. He is, they were all saying he is dead. But Jesus uh, picked him back up. Verse 28, when he had come into the house, his disciples asked him privately, why could we not cast it out? So he said to them, this kind can come out by nothing but prayer and fasting. Now, if you, we spent more time on this in other places. And if you look at other places in the scripture, it gets a little more into the, the detail of Jesus' answer. His answer was to him, because of your unbelief. That was his answer to him. Why could we not cast it out? Because of your unbelief. That was the answer. But he said, this kind only comes out by prayer and fasting. And too many times people have taken this to mean that there are prayer and fasting demons. There are no prayer and fasting demons. There is not a single prayer and fasting demon on the face of the earth. Because every single one of them is subject to the name of Jesus. And they are not subject to the name of Jesus as long as you pray and fast. They are subject to the name of Jesus because of what Jesus did. It has nothing to do with what you do. And that lack of understanding will hold you back. <coughs> but you see, they did not understand something. They ran into a problem with this. They did everything they had done before. They had the knowledge of what to do. They had done it. Demons had come out and they spoke to this one and this demon did not come out. It stayed. And it began to stir up on them unbelief. That unbelief was there. It had always been there. But now it's being stirred up. And they suddenly say, oh, it's not working. It's not working. Same thing that happens inside of us sometimes when we get prayed for and we get healed. And a week or two later, I'm not sure if it's working anymore. See, that unbelief was there. It just got stirred up. Nothing new happened. Just your unbelief got stirred up. You let it kind of get dormant for a little while. We've got to do more than just speak out of understanding. We've got to find out what does God say about this matter. And see, Jesus didn't just jump in there and he had some other questions. He did some other things. He talked with the person. He found out that the father had a little bit of unbelief in him. And so he dealt with the father and his unbelief. That's an important thing to do, especially when you're dealing with one young who's under the authority of the parents. You've got to deal with them. You don't got to deal with everybody else, but you do have to deal with mom and dad. And so he began to deal with dad. 
Maybe the disciples didn't do that. Maybe they didn't know to, to ask that. How would they have known? They had to listen to what the Spirit of God would say. But see, a lot of folks are speaking out of their understanding, but they don't know if what they are saying will help. We've got to find out, what do I need to say here that will help? Sometimes you may have an understanding of a matter, and it won't help in this situation. And you need to keep silent about it. Don't teach to others what God has not told you to tell. And Jesus doesn't do it. He teaches what the Father tells him to do. All right, those are two stages. Now, here's a detour. This is not really a stage. You don't really go from the stage two into this one. This is a detour stage. This is a detour that sticks a lot of Christians in the mud. And they don't get out of it. This is the first of two detours. Whatever I speak out of, whatever I feel. If I feel pain, I speak out of that pain. If I feel hurt, I speak out of that hurt. If I feel discouraged, I speak out of that discouragement. Whatever it is I feel, I speak out of it. If I am offended, I speak out of that. I put an or and a blank there. Mine is blank too. You can write in whatever you want to. (laughs) What is it that you feel? And that's what you speak out of. Too many Christians speak out of what they feel and call it the Spirit of God. It's not. It's what you feel. You've got to get out of that. You've got to stop doing that. God has feelings, but does not speak out of them. Now, you all know I love Star Trek. I was really disappointed when I heard that the next Star Trek movie is not coming out until 2016. I hope that Jesus doesn't come back before that. <laughs> I just, I so enjoy the series Star Trek. But you can, you can tell a novice on the series Star Trek really quick. And I heard somebody speaking the other day. We were listening to, uh, to, a, to a guy who was, who was uh, speaking, one of my favorite guys to listen to. He was speaking, and I could tell he is ignorant on the things, all, all things Star Trek. I could tell right off the bat he was ignorant of all things Star Trek because he made the statement. He was uh, talking about feelings as well, and he made the statement. He said, Vulcans have no feelings. They have no emotions. That is completely wrong. That is completely wrong. Vulcans have more feelings and more emotions than humans do. And according to the story, understand. According to the story. There are no real Vulcans, but according to the story, a Vulcan has more emotion and more feeling than humans. But it got to be such a problem, they almost wiped out their race because they got so angry. And they were killing a lot of their own people. They had a lot of wars and stuff going on. So they came up with this way to take all of their feelings and corral them. And so if you if you watch the series at all, you find out that Vulcans actually have a whole long process they go through almost daily to keep their emotions in check. They have them, but they don't let them be ruled by them. See, a lot of times we think that we have to become Vulcan and have no feelings. God has feelings. God has emotions. Has God ever been happy? Has God ever been sad? Has God ever been angry? Yeah. He's been all these things. Hasn't the Word of God described all these things to him? Didn't didn't God become sorry he made Saul king? Yeah, he was. Wasn't God sorry 
He brought Israel out in the wilderness when he said to Moses, Moses, stand aside. I'm going to wipe them all out. <laughs> and I'm going to make of you a great nation. He was sorry. <laughs> he brought them all out there. And, and um, well, you know, he's working on No, 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 no. Let's, let's not do that. Let's not do that. Thank God he does not speak out of his feelings. But he has them. Now, we're to be the same way. You can have feelings, but you are not to speak out of them. You are not to be motivated out of them. Have them. But you don't have to speak them. You shouldn't be, be controlled by them. If you get hurt, offended, angry, whatever it might be, don't speak out of it. Hush. Just hush your mouth. Don't do it. But see, Christians do this and they get stuck in this because the devil sells them on the thing while you're just speaking what the Spirit of God puts on you. That's just the conviction of the Holy Spirit. That's just the anger of God speaking on you. No, it's not. It's your own flesh. And you're speaking out of what you feel. You know the blank in your, your outline there? I know what the Word says, but I don't feel. And you can, fill, you can write in whatever you want to there. You are not to be moved by any feeling. Whatever it is you might fill in there. You are not to be moved by it. Any, any feeling. Feelings should not move you. The Word of God needs to move you. The Word of God says, I'm healed. What's the devil come along with? Well, you don't feel very healed now, do you? No, I don't. You don't feel very happy now, do you? No, I feel kind of depressed. Stop speaking out of that. Speak out of what the Word says. What has the Word said about you? The Word declares that I am the righteousness of God in Christ. The Word declares that my joy is to be made full. The Word declares that the peace of God that passes all understanding will guard my heart. This is what the Word declares. That's what you ought to be saying. Not what you feel. Well, I just don't feel that right now. I don't think that would be very truthful to speak that. God spoke, let there be light when there was darkness. God spoke, let there be life when there was none. God spoke, let there be land when there was only sea. If you don't speak it, before you see it, you won't have it. Stop giving in to your emotions. This is the pitfall. A lot of Christians who fall into this stage here, never get out. Never get out. They never can move on. This is a pitfall. You get into it. You should never get into this stage. As a Christian, you should never speak from your feelings, ever. It's not a growth period. It's a detour. Stay out of it. In Mark chapter 8, verse 31. And he began to teach them that the Son of Man must suffer many things and be rejected by the elders and chief priests and scribes and be killed and after three days rise again. He spoke this word openly and Peter took him aside and began to rebuke him. But when he had turned around and looked at his disciples, he rebuked Peter saying, Get behind me, Satan, for you are not mindful of the things of God, but the things of men. Peter is speaking out of his feelings. He has feeling and affection for Jesus, doesn't want to see him go, doesn't want to see him die. You shouldn't be speaking like this. He is speaking out of those feelings that is motivated by Satan. And the Lord speaks right to him. Get behind me, Satan, for you are not mindful of the things of God, but the things of men. As long as you give in to whatever voice comes up on the inside of you that has you speaking from your feelings, mark these words down. You are not mindful of the things of God, but the things of men. You need to get out of that stage, out of that pitfall. Here's the, here's the fourth one. This is, again, another pitfall. You should not move into this. This is not a graduation from understanding. This is a pitfall people fall into. 
I speak from whatever I reason. The disciples reasoned it is because we brought no bread. Remember that? What I say is based more on what I see going on around me than what I believe. This is because you're reasoning. I see things going on around me and I speak based on those things, not what I believe. You've got to graduate. You've got to get out. This is a pitfall. You fall into this, you're going to have a hard time getting out of it. Get out of, do not be in the reasoning stage. You should never judge where you are by what's happening around you. You judge it by the Word of God. What does the Word of God say? When Daniel's in the lion's den, could he judge what's going on by what's around him? He could, but he didn't do it. He didn't do it, did he? He's at peace. He's fine. Gets revelation from God. It's a good thing. Matthew 16, verse 5. Now, when his disciples had come to the other side, they had forgotten to take bread. And Jesus said to them, Take heed and beware of the leaven of the Pharisees and the Sadducees. And they reasoned among themselves, saying, It is because we have taken no bread. But Jesus, being aware of it, said to them, O you of little faith. When you're in the reasoning stage, you have very little faith going on. Why do you reason among yourselves because you have brought no bread? Do you not remember? Do you not understand or remember the five loaves of the 5,000? How many baskets you took up? Nor the seven loaves of the 4,000? How many large baskets you took up? How is it you do not understand that I did not speak to you concerning bread, but to beware of the leaven of the Pharisees and the Sadducees? Then they understood that he did not tell them to beware of the leaven of the bread, but of the doctrine of the Pharisees and the Sadducees. You see, they left the place of understanding. This is a detour. This is not a place to be. You may first, when you're a Christian, just speak out of what you know. You may graduate to understand some things. But you need to move on to another, another level. And these two things are distractions. They are pitfalls to pull you out. If you fall into them, you will have a hard time pulling out. You can pull out of it, but it will take effort. It will take effort. You have to apply yourself to it. You need to get out of that thing. Then they understood that he did not tell them to beware of the leaven of the bread, but of the doctrine of the Pharisees and the Sadducees. Well, they understood this, but it's not really helping them out just yet, is it? They just understood some things. There are some things you just understand and then you wait for the, the light to come later on. But that's all right. Now, here's the, fifth, here's the fifth stage. You actually should go from speaking out of the things that you know, graduating to speaking out of the things you understand, to this stage right here. This is where you should go. This is the difficult stage and most Christians, I would say, never transition into it. This is the most powerful stage that you can walk in. This is where you need to be. Most Christians, if they are anywhere, are in the stage of understanding if they're not already in one of the pitfalls. Where they understand all kinds of things, but they don't know where to speak them. They don't know what to do with them. Hopefully, all of you folks are out of the stage of speaking what you know. Just what you know. John chapter 12, verse 44. I'll give you what this stage is here in just a minute. Then Jesus cried out, Whoever believes in me is really believing in the one who sent me. Whoever sees me sees the one who sent me. I have come as light into the world so that whoever believes in me would not stay in darkness. Anyone who hears my words and does not obey them, I do not judge because I did not come to judge the world, but to save the world. There is a judge 
for those who refuse to believe in me and do not accept my words. The word I have taught will be their judge on the last day. The things I taught were not from myself. The Father who sent me told me what to say and what to teach. And I know the eternal life comes from what the Father commands. So whatever I say is what the Father told me to say. Here is your last stage. I speak whatever I hear. I speak whatever I hear. Now let me explain this. Jesus, when he came down to the earth, came to speak what the Father told him to say. This stage is a hard stage to get into. And it takes some growth. Because in this stage, you will speak what you hear regardless of whether you understand it. And that's a hard place to be. Because most times we want to understand the things that we say. This is not a person who's speaking like the first stage just because I heard it. It's not speaking the things you heard. It's speaking the things you hear. It's getting yourself into a relationship, a spiritual walk with the Father, that the Spirit of God is able to speak to you and tell you what to do. Now, let me give you some examples of this in Scripture. When Jesus, the story we looked at, when he came upon the man who was born blind, and he made clay, and he put the clay on the guy's eyes and said, go wash in the pool. Where does he find that in Scripture? doesn't find it, does he? Not at all. So where did he get to do it? He heard it. The Father spoke it to him. Does Jesus exactly understand how putting mud on a guy's eyes and telling him to go wash in a particular pool will cure him? He doesn't need to understand it, does he? All he needs to do is do it. Go back to the miracle and with the uh, wine. Mary's words to the people are, whatever he says to you, do it. So whatever they hear, do it. Did did she say anything about understanding it? No. But they had to get to a place where they had faith and confidence in his words that when he spoke them, they did it. When God speaks to you, you do it. Think back in your own life. You all, you all have, I've got stories like this. How many times have you heard God say to do something, to say something, and you argued yourself out of it? <laughs> I've done it. And then after you said, oh, that was God. Oh, I can't believe I just talked myself out of obeying God. That was God telling me to do that. Yeah, we've done it, haven't it? Because we didn't have the understanding, and that held us back. It's good to have understanding of some things. But when you are so tied into the voice of God that when he speaks to you, you can just say it. You can just do it. Let me give you another example. I should have put this in your outline. Didn't, uh, I didn't look this one up for you. But you can find it. You probably remember it. Remember when Jesus is telling the disciples that they would be brought before councils? He says, don't give concern. Don't give thought as to what you will say. For the Father will give you words to speak. He will tell you what to say in the moment that you need to say it. Now, we'll give you an example of when that happened. 
Peter is up on the rooftop. He has this great vision. Blanket coming down with all the food. Rise, Peter, kill and eat. No, no. Unclean thing. I've never eaten anything unclean. What I have called clean, do not call unclean. Happened three times. Afterwards, the Spirit of God said to him, there are three men that have come to, to see you. Go with them. So he goes with them. He goes over to the, to the house. He, gets, he arrives there. He says, uh, look, I had this vision. This thing happened. Here I am. And he is expecting these guys to have questions for him. And the guys that he came to are ready for Peter to have something to say. They have no questions. Peter expected them to have questions. What did, you, what did you want to know? What did God give you to say? Well, God didn't give them anything to say. And they didn't have any questions. So Peter is standing there. What do we do? <laughs> what, what do I do? And the Word of God says it this way. And Peter opened his mouth and began to teach. And what came out? What God put into it. Because Peter had grown to a place where he could speak what he heard. It's a hard place to be. But it's a place we all should get to. To speak what we hear. To be so tied in to the voice of God that he speaks to me. I know that's God. I can just say that. To be so tied into the voice of God that if he doesn't say to speak what I know, what I understand, I keep silent. Well, God, you didn't tell me to speak anything on this just yet. We were listening to to a preacher, and he was talking uh, talking about an investment that there's this group of people that had gone around to a lot of churches about investment, and it really looked like a good deal. It looked like a spectacular deal. In fact, they were ready to invest personally. Not the, I don't know if they were taking any church funds, but they were they were ready to take some of their funds, and they were going to invest in this. And he was uh, talking about it with God. And he says, uh, he said, God, what do, you, what do you think about these things? He said, it looks like a great deal. It looks like a great opportunity to, to do some things. He says, um, but you haven't really told me a whole lot about this. And he said, well, that should tell you enough right there. That spoke volumes to him. And so he went there the next day. They had a meeting already set up for the next day. So he went there the next day. They had already got the money together. They, they were all ready to go. But they left the money at home. And I said, uh, sorry, we're not going to do this. And he was very upset. But he, uh, he walked away. Well, they found out it was a scam and a lot of uh, ministers and a lot of churches lost money in it. He says, but we didn't. And he said, it wasn't because I was all that smart. He said, it's because I was ready to invest. <laughs> I was ready to do it. But he said, if God doesn't tell you about something, it ought to tell you about as much if he does. Listen to the voice of God and be willing to, be willing to jump on it. The woman with the issue of blood, or I'm sorry, the woman at the well. You remember when she, was, she came there? What does Jesus say to her? What the Father tells him. He asks her questions. Can you get me some water? He begins to talk with her about it. And then he, begins to, he says something to her. He says, uh, go call your husband. Bring him out. I don't have a husband. He said, you've answered right. You've had five, and the one you're living with now is not your husband. Anybody wonders about it, that's God's view. Just because two people are living together does not mean they're married. <laughs> Amen. That's out of, the, out of the mouth of Jesus. You can have any other opinion one, I'll stay with Jesus' side. Because that's what he said. The man you're living with now is not your husband. Isn't that what he said? That's what he said. 
I'll side with Jesus. Don't be doing it. You've had five, and the one you're living with now isn't your husband. Sir, I perceive you're a prophet. <laughs> uh huh. But you just look at the way he, he, that conversation went around. He just spoke what the Father gave him to speak. And what came out of that? Huge revival in the area of Samaria. People came out to the meetings. People got saved. People got born again. They went on home and said, we believe because of what we heard, not because of what you said. All right, here's, a, here's the end here. Spiritual growth is the process of speaking whatever I have heard. There are five senses. It's a process of speaking whatever I have heard to or towards or growing to whatever I hear from God. Speaking, the process of speaking whatever I have heard, your five senses, growing to speaking whatever I hear from God. You won't pick them up on your five senses, and your five senses will tell you stuff different. But that's where you got to get to. And that's the progress that we need to, to be at. We already gave this to you. If you were here at the meetings, we gave this, this to you, but I wrote it in here for you again. I hear from God by three ways. Three ways. First off, His Word. You will hear from God by His Word. If you're not in His Word, you will not hear from God. You need to be in His Word. You need to be reading His Word. You need to be studying His Word. If you cannot read His Word without studying His Word, you're going to miss some stuff. You are not always to study the Word. You are sometimes to read it. If all you do is read the Word, you don't study the Word, you're going to miss some stuff. Read the Word, study the Word. Do both. Don't have to spend hours, but you need to spend some time. How many of you are out here, you're reading your chapter a day? Yes. Keep it up. Yes. You want to be consistent. How many of you have ever gotten to an exercise plan or, or a diet plan? Yes. Consistency is what matters, right? Oh, yes. You got to do If you're in an exercise plan, you want to do four or five days a week, right? Yes. Not one day a whole lot and nothing the rest of the week. <coughs> do a little bit each day. A little bit each day. One chapter a day, you can do that. Read the Word. Study the Word. One of the, the first way you are going to hear from God is through His Word. If you're not in His Word, you will not hear from God. You've got to be in His Word. Got to be in it is It is vital. How many of you ate this morning before you came here? Nope. Okay, okay a couple of people. How many are planning to eat after you leave here? Oh, yes. <laughs> anybody fasting? I've seen too many hands. I'm just wondering if anybody's fasting. We, we, we eat before here. We eat when we leave here. How many are going to probably eat later on tonight? How many of you have ever had a day, you know, maybe you're into football or movies or, and you get a movie day planned, a football day planned, and you are planning on eating the entire time? <laughs> Wings. Chips, desserts, ice cream, cookies. I mean, just eat the whole time. Just keep on going, right? Well, you got, you got to get into the Word, too. It needs to be a consistent thing. If you keep feeding on the Word, if you keep reading the Word, then you can meditate on it. Thank, I thank God every day that I, I spend time when I, from way back when I was in high school reading the Word. And, and God should be part of my Daily habit. I read the Word. Because I can just sit back with no Bible 
and meditate on the Word. I can sit back and just read the Word without a Bible in front of me and just go over it. Oh, is that a help? Sometimes I'm just out there doing something and something comes to mind about the Scripture. Wow, I didn't think about that before. Sometimes, I, just, I don't want you to think that just because I'm a, I pastor a church that I have all the answers. I don't tell you the I don't tell anybody the questions I have. I can't because I don't have the answers. I could tell you, I, I was just thinking about it this week. There's a story in the Bible. You all know, well, I have taught it many times. Every time I go over it, I have a glaring question that hits me every time I read it. I will not tell you what that question is because first off, I don't know if it's a valid question. And secondly, if I told you, it might shake some things in you. I don't want to do that unless I have a valid question and until I have an answer. Don't think I have all the answers in Scripture. Glory to God, I'm learning too. I love what Brother Hagin was told one time and one of the times that Jesus came to visit him. And uh, he said, I, I need Scripture on that. He was teaching him some kind of a principle. He said, I need Scripture on that before I can uh, hang on to that. And uh, he, they, were, they were going on and... And he says, I don't know of anything like that in Scripture. And he said, that's okay. There's a lot in it you don't know. <laughs> There's a lot in the Bible I don't know yet. There's a whole lot about God I don't know yet. I'm still learning. And I'm going to keep on learning till the time we get on to the other side. Because God is a big God. He's a big God. I heard You hear from God by His Word. Secondly, you hear by His Spirit. The Spirit of God will speak to you. Most times, He'll quicken word to you. You've got to get that word down on the inside of you. Third, servants. I hear from God by His Word, His Spirit, and His servants. This is how God will speak to you. I don't really know of any other way He's going to speak to you. But He will speak to you. He will tell you some things. And when he does, will you do it? Once you know it's God, will you do it regardless of whether you understand it? Remember the uh, guy with leprosy? I thought he would come out, call on the name of his God, wave his hand, and I would be healed. And the servant said to him, if he told you to do something hard, wouldn't you do it? All he said to you was, go wash and be clean. So the man went down into the Jordan, washed seven times, came out clean. But his lack of understanding held him back. How many times has the lack of understanding held us back from doing what God said to do? Jesus told Peter, go in, put a fish hook in, and the first fish you catch will have a coin in his mouth be enough to pay your tax and my tax. What if Peter said, I've caught many a fish, none of them have ever had a coin in their mouth. I don't understand how that's going to work. What if the disciples said, five loaves and two fishes? That's not, that's not even bring this up to Jesus. This isn't going to help. What if they said that? What if the people who had the, the water turn into wine, when he says, draw some out and take it to the master of the ceremonies, what if they said, but it's just water? How many times have we talked ourselves out of a miracle? Because I don't understand. The stages of speaking. Not just speaking one to another. But speaking to your circumstances. 
speaking to the things that God says to change. Don't get caught in the side traps. Grow from what you know, speaking out of what you understand, to speaking out of what you hear. As soon as God says it, you know you can speak it. I've shared this with you many a time. Because I, I don't even know. I've lost count how many times it happens. But many times, here on Sunday morning, Wednesday night, I have said a question we would get into next week. I only said it because it came up in my spirit. I knew the Spirit of God said, this is the question. And I did not know the answer. Many, many a time. But see, I know that's the Spirit of God. If I obey and I speak that out because he's telling me to speak it out, guess what happens next week? I get the answer. I don't tell you all the time it happens. I think most of the time I don't tell you at all. Sometimes I bring it out, but most times I don't even tell you at all. I just speak it out because I know next week I'll get the answer. Because God will give it to me. Where are you at in your stage of development? Are you just speaking out of what you know? Whether it's true or not, you don't know, but I, I know that. Are you speaking out of what you understand? Or have you gotten to the place where you're willing to speak out of what you hear? Have you got caught in the trap of speaking out of your feelings or speaking out of your reasonings? Now, to keep you from developing, don't stay there. Get out of it. Move on with God. Would you all stand up with me? Father, you want us to become confident in the voice of your spirit that we hear on the inside, that we can grow by the things that we hear. We want to be listening. Some of us may be caught in one of the other stages, but our eyes need to be set that we can progress to the place of speaking the things that we hear. Having the confidence that that's the Spirit of God who told me that. I know I can trust it. It doesn't always just speak as things to do. Sometimes he speaks to us about things to avoid, things not to do, things to stay away from, things to go after things to pursue. But I thank you. Whatever it is that the Spirit of God speaks to us, it's for our benefit and the benefit of the kingdom of God. We want to grow in our ability to, to do that. Help us to stay mindful, especially this week as we head off into these areas. Let us stay mindful. Is that God speaking to me? And am I not obeying because I don't understand? We need to rise up to that challenge to do the things that are spoken to us because we know it is God, regardless of whether we understand it or not. We thank you for the help you give us in that. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. We've got some praise reports, some things God has been doing. If you want to sit down while we go over those, you're more than welcome to. Okay, Pastor. Um, actually, this one's from Ray. <clears throat> Excuse me. He says, I thank God. I had to reread this twice, Ray, because... Of <laughs> Like, ooh, do we need to pray first? <laughs> he says, I thank God that the young man I hit with my car um, was able to bounce up and, uh, and go off without any apparent injuries, and there were no consequences to either party on that. So praise God. <laughs> hmm. um, another one he said is that uh, I praise God that due to my new position, he's uh, accumulated a lot of uh, leave days. Um, he's been able to accumulate them more rapidly. He says, I've been able to donate some of them, convert some to cash, and take a day off here and there. 
uh, to accomplish things around the house. How many of you know that's good to do? <laughs> it's very good to do. Keeps you peaceful. Um, and I am so excited about this one. Danielle, she says, the Lord has allowed me to complete another milestone in her Ph.D. program. Woohoo! says, I now have entered the final dissertation stage. Glory mm. to God. Hallelujah. Um, this is from Anna. She says, her brother, his name is John, <coughs> has been uh, having numbness in his hands and his arms and at times no feeling. Um, they couldn't, oh, he could not drive or dress himself, and it was starting to spread to his legs. He went to the doctor and um, to find out what it was after his test. They said he needed to have surgery on his spine somewhere up near his neck. Um, after prayer, he went back to the doctor, and the doctor said that he doesn't need the surgery. He says, come back in three months. So uh, he'll be 84 years old in October. So we're praying just for a complete healing for him. And another good report. Alexis has passed her Series 7 exam this Thursday. Hallelujah. Praise God. I was on the phone with her. I said, so now what does that mean? She goes, I get to keep my job. <laughs> so that's good. And that does open more doors for her as well. Um, Josiah said, I am a, a customer support rep, and um, I broke the record for receiving the most phone calls. The one who's the quietest, look out. <laughs> Is my coworkers also noticed and said that I did not complain once. I thank God for his favor on my job. Praise God. That's so awesome. Um, and are you going to announce the budget? Oh, you can tell me. Oh, okay. Um, how many of you were here during the meetings with the Hoskins? Hallelujah. Amen. How many of you plan to come back in October? They're here the 9th through the 12th. Okay, I have some flyers that were made up. These really should have gone out before now, but... Um, you know, it was so hard for me when I was making these because I wanted to include every single praise report, every single testimony that happened. But, you know, then as I was listening to the Holy Ghost, really these are f to get into the hands of unbelievers. That's really what my heart's at. I'm not saying don't invite people who go to another church. Don't invite your saved friends. If they need healing, if they have a need, please invite them. Please invite them. But my heart is really to invite those who don't know God. So if you see on here that we didn't mention specifically any special praise report, that's why. Um, because, you know, a lot of times they'll read them and they just, in their minds, they turn stuff off. We want them to come. So please take as many as you want in the back there. Send them out. Give them out. Whatever you want to do with them. But let's get them in the hands of people. How many of you felt that th those meetings were valuable to you? They were valuable. And that's what we want when we when we witness this to others and tell other people about the value that was in the meetings for us, what God did specifically for me when I was here. So um, it's not just another time to get together and hoot and holler and, you know, roll on the floor or whatever. I think I did a lot of that. But it was, it was <laughs> it's, it's really to, to see the value, that God sees us as valuable. And he is sending that servant here for us. And I'm not going to get into that because you and I talked about it. But there's a lot of teaching that we, we're going to get into about um, the special meetings. And I am just so excited about it. Um, so please, take as many as you want in the back. Again, the, it's the 9th through the 12th. I know there was some question because they put it up as the end of September, but it's really the 9th through the 12th. Um, they will be in Allentown. Here's another thing. If you have friends that are up in that area and don't want to come all the way down here, they will be at Revival Church in Allentown the week prior to. So if you know people up that way, send them there, okay? That's good news to know. That's it. What days are they there? Is it Sunday, Monday, Tuesday, oh, Wednesday? Um, let's see. They are there. Um, Sunday, Monday, Tuesday. The 5th. What's the f Whatever the 5th is. Um, should be a, that it should be a Sunday. 
Yeah, and if you go on the Hoskins website, they will have it there um, this, the week prior to, and then they're coming directly here. So they'll be with them. I think it's Saturday, Sunday, Monday, Tuesday, and then they come to us on Wednesday. Um, but they're not here Wednesday. They come to us Wednesday night, and then they'll be ministering Thursday. <clears throat> they, they just come down here the day before, and then they start the ministry the, the next day. Okay?